Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 14 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This uh, episode is for the week of August 2nd, 2020. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here with us. Uh, my name is Brian Reynolds. I'm the Vice President of Marketing with Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications for ERS. How are you, Kristen? Hey there, hey there Brian. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Good to hear your voice. Thanks. Thanks. So the Linkage podcast is dedicated to educating our audiences about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how uh, that comes to life in our everyday interactions with residents, our clients, families, and staff members. Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit about our show coming up today? Brian, we have three guests with us today. We have Gordon Reagan, who lives at Dudley Square in Episcopal Church Home Community in Louisville, Kentucky. We have Helen Carpenter, who's um, a resident at Marlowe Court in College Hill neighborhood of Cincinnati. And of course, we've got our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, to join us, and she'll give us the update for ERS for the week. Well, that's great. Looking forward to a good show. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our gala again. Uh, just as a reminder, we're doing a virtual gala. This year's theme is Together We Rise. It's on October 9th, 6.30 p.m. Um, and we want to, again, thank our sponsors, uh, Ridgestone uh, Contractors and uh, the Model Group. So I think uh, we'll have a really good event, Kristen, with uh, some, some nice live entertainment and, of course, some good videos and content from around the organization. So with that said, do you want to introduce your first interviewee of the day? Yes. Uh, so joining me for an interview today was Helen Carpenter. Helen's been a resident of Marlowe Court since we opened it a few years ago. She's very active in her community, as you will hear. She has found a lot of ways to stay active and helping her neighbors. So let's meet Helen. Helen, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. And how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Wonderful. Well, Helen, tell our listeners a little bit about what you've been doing in particular um, to stay engaged and active while we're distancing right now during this pandemic. Yes, I live on the first floor, and um, since March, I've been spraying, keeping the, the outside in the, the elevator and out in the waiting room. I've been, you know, disinfecting that to keep us all safe. Jamie supplied me with the material, and then I have my own Clorox wipes where I wipe off of things when I go out there. So that's what I've really been doing since March, keeping the, trying to keep the place safe, you know, for all of us. And then I take a, a walk of, um, early in the morning. I walk around with hardly no one on the, you know, street. So I keep, have my mask on, you know, my sanitizer with me. And then I go to grocery store. The van comes by like six uh, thirty in the morning, so we go to about four of us. They go to the grocery store uh, to get our groceries. So I've really been, you know, keeping safe. I have a church. I haven't been to my church, but it's open. But I haven't been to the church. But I have um, 
different people on the line that I pray with every morning, seven days a week, and have our scripture. So we have our devotion on the phone. Well, those are some really thoughtful and, and caring ways to reach out and, and help your neighbors and, and help those that are important to you in your life. I just think that's very yes. inspiring, Helen. Yes. So when I get up early in the morning, before 7 o'clock, when everybody really gets up and everything, so I get going because me being on the first floor, you know, it's, I enjoy doing it. Jamie and the rest, they, they appreciate it, you know. Yeah, I bet they do. That's wonderful. I'm glad they're uh, keeping you supplied with the uh, cleaning supplies. And that is something that you can do to stay engaged and really is a, a healthy and, and uh, caring thing that you're, you're doing for your neighbors there. I spray outside on those bleaches and the benches outside. So I spray that. Then the tables that we have here, I go out there sometime and read the scriptures and I read my crossword puzzle so I go out there and spray out there so I'm trying to just do everything just so we um, have to stay in most of us so I try to do everything I can to help one another and help myself too wonderful well tell me a little and our listeners a little bit about something that you are uh, definitely looking forward to when this is all behind us and uh things are a little more safe for us to resume their regular activities. I used to travel. I have a daughter and a grandson in Florida. I have a son in Virginia, a sister in California. So I've been really traveling to see them. But after this is, you know, the virus, you know, coronavirus, I haven't been able to travel. So I'm looking forward to travel soon after this is over. In fact, I was going to move to Florida when my daughter moved to Florida. But since this all came about, you know, we had to think twice about it. But my, I lost my husband a few years ago, so they wanted me to come to Florida to live with them. And I was willing to go, but right now I'm staying here. But I will be visiting soon as uh, they said it's okay. And, you know, Florida's having a kind of rough time with us, you know, right now. But I will be traveling as soon as I can. can. Well, you are, you are very wise to uh, be putting that uh, plan on hold delaying a bit and hopefully it's not too long right I'm praying that they will uh, get it together and that we'll uh, we'll move past this we'll we'll get a vaccine and and we'll find ways to avoid the spread that's that's really happening right now right because my I really after I left PNG and after my husband passed I we're looking forward to traveling, you know, because when I was raising my children, I couldn't go. But now, since I'm by myself, I can travel, and I'm looking forward again to be traveling. Yes, Helen, I completely agree with you. That is something I look forward to as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. All right. Really enjoyed connecting with you and uh and, and hearing about the things that you're doing. And uh, you stay safe, Helen, and we'll talk again soon. All right, then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kristen, that was a, a wonderful yeah. interview with Helen. Loved hearing about how she's really pitching in during this COVID and doing a little bit of cleaning and, and just supporting her neighbors. Yes, Brian, she's always been so active and helpful in her community. 
I got to meet her a few years ago in our community there. Marlo Court won a neighborhood award for being a, a great place in the College Hill neighborhood. And uh, she has not been slowed down by this COVID. She's been staying safe and staying smart. She's looking forward to traveling and uh, we hope we all can do that safely really soon. Next up today, we're gonna check in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, with an update on what's happening around ERS this week. So I'm back this week with our leader, uh, President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? Doing well, Brian. How about you? Doing real well. Thank you. And uh, you always send these great weekly updates to um, our staff and our residents and families. And I think one of the themes that really um, that, that you led with and really, I think, resonated with not just myself, but so many people was... Um, the thought about expectations. And I was wondering if you could kind of share the story that you shared in that letter and, and, and kind of how that applies to uh, ERS and our communities. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story, but it, it's, it has stuck with me even years later. And I use it often when I talk about expectations. Um, so years ago, we introduced infused water in our lobbies, and you can man imagine these just gorgeous containers um, of wonderful water that has, you know, fresh sliced fruit and herbs, and it's just so inviting and, yeah. you know, hopefully says to our guests and our residents, you're welcome, come in and um, have, have some wonderful water. Yeah. Well, we introduced it at Marjorie P. Lee, or um, yeah, it was at Marjorie P. Lee several years ago. And I'll never forget the receptionist, like, you know, a week later said, um, I have a funny story to tell you. So she's sitting at her desk and a resident is enjoying the, or take some of the infused water. And later uh -huh. on, she comes up to the receptionist and leans in close because she doesn't want anybody else to hear. She says, says, um, I hate to tell you this, but the lemonade is really weak today and it's not sweet at all. Mm. <laughs> and it just spoke volumes about, you know, if you're taking it, it, you know, something out of the urn and you think it's lemonade, yeah. you have yeah. one set of expectations and we dashed her expectations that day. But if you are expecting like I am when I go up for infused water, you know, I can taste the lemon, I can taste the basil, it's just delicious. What a treat, right? <laughs> <laughs> what a treat, what a treat. So it just, it stuck with me that really in so many areas of our life, depending on the expectations that you start with, you know, you're either disappointed or relieved or happy with the result. So. I just, I shared that with, with the organization as a reminder because I feel like our, our prevalence or our cases or our occurrence rate, you know, people feel differently about it um, based on what their expectations are. Right. And then, so how does that kind of manifest into our communities? Because I think what you were really talking about was um, bridging that expectation with, um, some of the cases that we're seeing, you know, that pop up in our communities, which is, yeah, yeah, and, and, and putting that into perspective. Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we, 
we have multiple, you know, 30 campuses in three states. And, you know, some campuses have zero. Right. Is identified at this point. Um, well, is, is it really zero or is it the fact that 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 community hasn't mandated testing? Right. So that, that's one set of expectations, you know. So really where it came from, Brian, is that I think people sometimes um, latch in on the whole numbers, the, you know, the number of cases. Mm -hmm. So what I think is more important is thinking about like the, the percentage. And we talked about this last time we were together. Yeah. That all of our campuses are reporting, no matter what the numerator is, Right. Um, because you have to look at it at a percentage because they're big communities and small communities, right. but, um, across the board, it's less than 1%. Yeah. So back to the lemonade or the infused water example, if you're expecting zero cases right. as the signal of success right. and we have any cases, you're disappointed. Whereas if you, you know, if you look at the national trend of, when you do surveillance testing, it's anywhere from 20 to 40, 25 to 50 or 40%, then, you know, less than 1% really does meet your expectations. So right. it's just really, it's been interesting. And I have to tell you that that funny little story in the letter just really prompted a lot of our families um, and, and our residents to reach out and just thank um, the organization for the great work of our staff and the leadership team that has put kind of the, the, the guidelines and the protocols in place and really appreciated their hard work so that we can be, you know, week 20 something into this um, pandemic and, and have less than 1%. Right. And that's really in a, uh, a dynamic um, situation in that, things are always changing and evolving. And, you know, one of the things that we had talked about previously is, you know, that now we're doing testing at in more frequent amounts. So I, I don't know if you can mention that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So both the state of Kentucky and Ohio are now, we're working out the kinks, but essentially both states are ramping up to have mandatory testing of those that live in senior housing on a regular basis, whether that be, you know, it, it seems like it's going to go to 14 days every two weeks. Right. Um, so that, so step one, we just need to remember that the more you test, the more cases that you'll come across. Right. Which is a good thing. To which some is extent. a good thing, which is the second point. And, you know, I said to the team, again, it's kind of that setting expectations Mm -hmm. You know, there was a recent uh, uh, positive that we came um, across during our surveillance test of staff. And, you know, instead of that being a, a negative, I asked the team to think of it as a positive. And you could look at their faces to say, oh, my goodness, what is, what is, she, what is she talking about? But my point is, you know, had we not done on our own, because this isn't the mandated test, had we not done the weekly testing, mm -hmm. think about it, that, that staff member is asymptomatic, Brian. Right. They're so out, they're, they're caring for our residents, they're out in the community, 
they're with their family symptomatically. And so I just encouraged us to think of that as a positive that we are, we are helping the public safety of not only our resident and asymptomatic um, staff member. Yeah, that's really good because you can, again, catch it early. And, and I think the other interesting piece of information, again, how it's so dynamic and information changes as we learn more about the virus and uh, its effects on the symptoms. Now we're identifying more symptoms that, again, can help us make sure that, you know, people that are sick are staying home. I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit more as, as well. Yeah, the, the, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? The, the, the science is evolving. You asked me a question a little bit ago. Yeah. And, you know, and I said, well, they really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. I mean, the, we, we're not even at the year mark of this virus being studied by, you know, the science, um, the medical field. So, but what the CDC has re- recently issued is, a broader list of symptoms for people to be paying attention to. And those um, include things that are not just respiratory. So for example, you know, headache, um, muscle um, cramps or muscle soreness, uh, fatigue, those are just a few that are non-respiratory that weren't on the original list that the CDC is saying um, are consistently loss of smell. Um, is a big one. Um, actually, of all the the, the common two, um, you know, there's some science uh, evolving. That they're calling it the six different types, and t- types is in quotes. So, you know, is that strands? Probably not. Is it just the way it manifests? Maybe because of the word type. But regardless, if you look at those symptom lists, the only two that are in common of all six are headaches and loss of smell. Wow. I just think that's so fascinating. You know, again, there goes that biology background. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sci- read some more, some more um, scientific journals this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think what, I, I, from my perspective, as the marketing guy, a non-clinician, or not from the necessarily operational side, it the fact that yourself and the risk management team are looking at these this information that's coming out and that we're getting updated on best practices or information about symptoms and i think that really ends up um, helping our staff and our residents and our families stay safe amongst all of this as much as you know we possibly can in this in this day and age so yeah, we have to stay abreast to the ever-changing um, data because you're right; it, it it has changed. What we what we're saying today is different than we said in May, right. and I know it will be different in October. So, right. yeah, I appreciate that they are doing a wonderful job staying abreast of all the 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 changing information. Well, Laura, thank you so much again for joining us. This is always very stimulating and informative. And again, especially in a world that's so dynamic and and, and changing and we're learning so much. So I appreciate you joining us again this week. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Brian, thanks for that update with Lara. It seems like diligence is on everyone's mind this week. 
certainly we you know need to continue doing our part what we do outside the home does matter you know getting that guidance and she certainly is so proud of the staff and our residents and family members that are all are all are uh, really pitching in to so that we can get back to uh you know, as normal of a world as possible, as soon as possible. So with that said, uh, I think we'll move on to our next interview. Uh, I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing uh, one of our residents at uh, Episcopal Church Home in Dudley Square. His name is Gordon Reagan. I really enjoyed my time with him. I spent a lot of time with him before and after. So let's listen to my uh, interview with Gordon. So I'm here this week with one of our residents at uh, Dudley Square Patio Homes from Episcopal Church Home, uh, Gordon Reagan. Welcome, Gordon. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well indeed. It's nice to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for for joining us on our podcast. So I like to kind of start our uh, all our interviews out with just kind of a simple question, but very important in these times, especially among the COVID uh, pandemic, is how are you doing? Well, we've adjusted pretty well to the new normal, and we remain what passes as in good health for one of our age, Mm -hmm. So we are richly blessed, and certainly we are fortified being in the community that we are at at this stage, Uh uh, and are grateful for that. Well, that's great. And I think at, if I'm right, you were, were you down in Florida at the beginning of the pandemic and then kind of transitioned yes. back to Louisville? Yes. Yeah. We have been privileged since my retirement to spend a part of our winter down there. <clears throat> and of course, it first peaked as I think in March. Right. And it changed our lives immediately. Yeah. And, uh, we self-quarantined for the entire time that we were there until we left in mid-May. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, experienced the, all of the limits. Uh, you, you live in a community of essentially that, of snowbirds uh, during season. Right. And uh, they play the game pretty strictly at that age. Right. And so that made it easy, really, because we got... Uh, I think well entrenched in the new normal right before returning we were right. very sensitive to returning right uh friends up here certainly in the community knew that we were coming from a state that had a an early outbreak even though right. it was on the other coast right uh we were all labeled uh, the same having been in florida as you can imagine yeah yeah yeah, and it's become a little more widespread since then, obviously. With, with <laughs> well, yeah. Many more cases. And governors. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, so, so, so now that, you know, you're back in, in Louisville, what, what are you doing to stay active and engaged? Uh, obviously, well, you know, staying social distance during, during the pandemic. Yeah, we'll give you that right up front. <laughs> well, I would say we're, we're reading a good deal more. Uh, I, uh, I managed to get through three newspapers daily, mm-hmm. 
one of them comes from our good neighbor. I know you know uh, M. L. Gorman. Yeah. And uh, she is generous enough with her New York Times to give me each edition oh, that's each afternoon. So I have that, and I'm a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal, and then we got our our local newspaper books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy has a new Kindle. Okay. So there is certainly more reading going on. Uh, yeah. We're playing games every every afternoon. We have a, a family contest, and she's beating me roundly in gin rummy. <laughs> so uh, I I now have trying to. I've just acquired a new cribbage board, so I I'll have to get act, get her active with that. Maybe I can redeem myself. Uh, sounds like working puzzles, of course. Yeah, it sounds like there's some healthy competition there. Well, there is. There is. Lots of puzzle working going on. Um, home workouts. This is, this is, this is uh, I think, at, very important to us. We exercise regularly. Uh, some of those exercises begin before we even get out of bed in the morning. Uh, then we have strength and balance uh, routines during the day. Uh, some time ago, I had gotten a book from the National Institute on Aging, mm-hmm. and uh, it has a pretty good regimen for us geezers uh, that I, I follow somewhat. We have an elliptical machine in, in, the, in the condo, which is, mm-hmm. is widely used. And of course, walking is, uh, is essential. Yeah, you walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. We have some neighbors that travel to uh, to local parks where they can distance and do their walking, and that, that of course, provides some variety. Right. Well, but like- I would guess, as far as social outreach, uh, aside from our wonderful Dudley Square community, mm-hmm. uh, it is the streaming and zooming. Yeah. That that we are doing with family, some friends, but principally with our churches. Uh, mm-hmm. And this has proved to be very reinforcing. Uh, we are quite involved with our church in Florida, and then we have our uh, parish home here. Right. But equally important, uh, I think, is the, uh, is the St. Luke's Chapel here at the Episcopal Church Home. Uh-huh. And when you begin to think about you know, our mission statement, which I guess is yours as well. We enrich the lives of older adults in a personal-centered, innovative, and spiritually-based way. And I, yeah. that really underlines our, you know, our involvement with, with the chapel here. Yeah, you, you nailed that mission statement very well there. So, um, but it, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was looking at it, so that yeah. was why. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I did it, your handiwork in this. <laughs> thank, thank you. But so and I, so, it sounds like you really, you know, tried to be. You've been very diligent about thinking about, you know, both your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, um, and in your intellectual health. So you, you're really kind of covering the gamut, even in kind of times where some of those options are limited. So that's that's really nice to hear. So what what are there some, I guess, past situations in your life, Gordon, or 
you know, crises, you know, we've heard from other people about the polio or living through wars or things like that that have helped you kind of deal with the pandemic? You just nailed it because you said polio and living with wars. We both were born in the mid thirties and, uh, well, our parents experience with the, uh, with, uh, when the country went broke, the depression, uh, yeah. taught it as a lot of thrift. Right. But then, uh, you know, further building our character was our experience during World War II. Right. And living as we did in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, we were impacted immediately with air raid warnings. Right. We learned to shelter under desks in our grammar schools. Yeah. Uh, all during the war in the Pacific, it was a very real thing to us. Uh, but uh, that we saw an end to, you know, and right. we didn't suffer quite in the same way that we are now during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think there was rationing going on. Uh-huh. Uh, you learned to do without. You mentioned the polio epidemic, which is the first thing that I remember. Right. And that caused separation. You talked about distancing. Yeah. You know, if we went out to play with our childhood neighbors, uh-huh. uh, we were all at some distance. Wow. From one another. Yeah. Uh, then that was followed by the Cold War. And uh, okay. those with some means were building fallout shelters. Others of us, you know, were establishing escape routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to safe locations uh, with the with the the, the threat that we were getting then from the Russians, right. but again, nothing like this pandemic where it has been, you know, so widespread, so inclusive, yeah. you know, where we've been sharing it, you know, with everybody, right? As we do, it's uh, it's it's unique. Yeah, but I think that that theme of kind of sacrifice and caution is really kind of bubbling up for this event as we kind of learn to isolate more and uh, maybe make sacrifices that we haven't really had to do in a very long time. Well, and as I had mentioned earlier, I wasn't sure that you were recording then, but uh, we at this stage in life can't really begin to imagine the toll that this is taking yeah. on our children and grandchildren's generation right? Uh, in terms of lost jobs. And uh, as you indicated, you know, in your case, having children at home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those are, those are sacrifices that we are not having to make. Right. And so we are, we are grateful for where we are at this stage in our life, but, you know, fully trying to comprehend everybody else it isn't so well fixed right right well and and i think the sacrifices are you know while um we want to protect our loved ones and um but there's so much of the sacrifice is about you know those that uh may be more susceptible to this like older adults or those with mm-hmm pre-existing to conditions. So I think that's... Well, you cannot live in a community like ours, like those in ERS, 
without being fully aware of, of those members that are at higher risk. Right. Uh, and uh, we see how the church home and is is serving these people. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's comforting to be in this environment on the one hand, uh, yeah. but it sure brings home the nature of the threat. Yeah, I totally know where you're coming from, and it, it it's been amazing to watch over the past four five months here that there's just so many great people you know, willing to chip in and, and doing such a marvelous job. I've been so proud of the people I work with day to day, and I'm sure you've seen that kind of play out down at Episcopal Church Home as well. Well, I've got a great deal of respect for you folks in ERS. I am I think I had mentioned this to you in an earlier call that uh, I think all of us here that have some sense of the history of ECH, and, and we uh-huh. do, bring, uh-huh cradle Episcopalians and uh, belonging to the biggest church in the diocese Uh that has been devoted uh, its membership historically to service uh, here at ECH, uh, especially among the women. Uh, They they just are so active on the women's board here. Right, right. well, yeah, that's a great point. And so one last question, what what are you looking forward to once this is all over? <laughs> well, I, I shared this question with Nancy, as I did all of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, perhaps uh, the ones we came up with rather quickly was uh, beginning to eat out again with close friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of hits a similar theme. I, I miss my, my friends and the gatherings. I mean, we, we've done our Zoom calls, you know, and we'll have each other laughing and chuckling, but it's, there's nothing that replaces getting together and giving a hug or having that extended time together. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we would look forward to travel again. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife has always traveled more extensively than I have, but we love to travel by auto. And uh, of course, now you, you don't dare check into a motel. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, even if you knew you had a safe destination. So we'd look forward to traveling again to see yeah. relatives and friends and new experiences. Um, I think we miss uh, probably something that's a threat in our lives. Uh, being able to frequent the libraries, yeah, uh, attending uh, visual and performing art, yeah, uh, venues, right. We miss that, and certainly entertaining in our home, which we have not done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a very big custom down there at Dudley Square, right? To have each other over for for a drink or for. <laughs> game of bridge yeah. or cards or something like that, right? Gin Rami? Right, right. Yeah, you certainly are right. So those things, I think, uh, we will look forward to resuming in time. Yeah. Well, Gordon, I, I want to really thank you for taking some time out to, to be interviewed on our podcast. And, uh, you know, I certainly think so highly of you, and we'll, we'll definitely make sure we stay in touch and maybe check in again soon. Well, I... 
I enjoyed that opportunity when we first met, which was about three years ago or a little yeah, yeah. or so when I Shortly visited Cincinnati you and you were a big part of my orientation there. And I'm thrilled with the job you're doing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. You've been such a great support and a cheerleader for, for all of us throughout the organization. So we're very grateful for that. Good, good. This has been fun. Very fun. Thank you, Brian. Wow, what a great interview with Gordon today. It was good to hear from him and his positive attitude. Uh, it really shines through everything he was uh, sharing with us today. Yeah, he's always he's just so supportive of the staff down at ECH and even ERS as an organization and and uh, his positivity and his support um, means so much. We probably spoke uh, 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after the interview just talking and I really enjoy getting to know him more and more uh, as time goes on. So we're, we're very grateful uh, for, for Gordon. I love that. So, Three great guests this week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that said, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, resources to learn more about ages, uh, aging and the services we offer, and so much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. And if you have any questions or feedback from us, we love hearing from our listeners. Please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer. And our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, Helen Carpenter and Gordon Reagan. And of course, always joining us is President and CEO, Laura Lamb. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to our podcast next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thanks, Brian. We'll talk again soon. 